0: Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. And today we are excited to bring you our Q&A. So I want to invite the amazing producer, Sanford, on. Hello, Sanford.
1: Hello, amazing Juliana. And also, let's give a shout out to the amazing Adam as well. (laughs) Hello, amazing Adam. Hello, everybody.
0: Well, I'm excited to answer your questions. We get so many good questions. It's so hard to choose. Uh, so I let Sanford choose this time. So Sanford, what you got? What'd
1: you choose? We got a lot of really interesting questions. And um, we're going to start with this. We're going to start with um, an Instagram question from fit underscore nourished Gabriel. Uh, oh, Gabrielle. Excuse me. Thanks for your question. Um, fit nourished Gabrielle wants to know, what is your take on probiotics? I think this is a really interesting question because I've always been told that probiotics are really, really good for our our digestive system. So what do you think, Juliana?
0: Probiotics is an entire world on its own. And it's so interesting because there was a great article in 2020 in Frontier in Microbiology, and they called it a, and I just learned this word for the first time, so I'm not trying to be fancy, but they describe probiotics as the 21st century pan pharmacon. So of course I had to go look up exactly what that means. It means a medicine for all diseases, a panacea. And I thought that was so interesting because that is indeed what it seems to be. You know, basically we have a lot of bacteria in our body. In fact, we are more, we are 10 times more bacteria than we are human. Take that in for a second. So we've got all these bacteria in our bodies, mostly concentrated in our gut. We have them all over the place too, but mostly they're concentrated inside of our gut, our GI tract. And what's so cool, they're, they're not just parasites living off of us, but we are actually so in tuned and we have so much to... to be grateful for, and so much control over what happens in this extraordinary world of our microbiome. So there's different types of species, and there's different amounts of those different types of species, and here's the really cool thing. It changes based on what you eat normally, what you eat each meal, where you travel, where you live. So many factors come into play on what your microbiome really is. And of course, we know that a whole food plant-based diet brings on a lot of the healthy bacteria in the microbiome, which in turn gets rid of some of the, the pathogenic bacteria, the ones that promote disease. So now we've got these little organisms and pills that they're trying to formulate out there. And there's like all these different formulas with all these different blends of this bacteria and that bacteria and this amount of that species and this amount of that species. The thing is, you know, we we see associations in the literature, kind of all over the place, supporting immune function, supporting GI function, like you said, Sanford, produce, you know, promoting all sorts of different types of health outcomes, uh, all sorts of different things, and it depends on the different blends. But really, the science shows we don't know. <laughs> we don't know how effective it is. Like we don't know what is the ideal blend for each situation. Are they actually getting into our gut because, you know, they, they die in the heat or in light or all these different kinds of things that they're sensitive to. So basically what the research shows is if you're lucky, your probiotic will help you. So I don't know, that's, that's kind of a really convoluted way to say that we don't know if they work. And my take is sometimes they do work. I take one that sometimes seems to help my digestion. Uh, but sometimes it, you know, sometimes you just really don't know what you're getting. In fact, you never really know exactly what you're getting and how it's going to interact in your body. And there's some thinking that when you take antibiotics, you should not take pro- uh, probiotics because basically it could counteract the effect of the antibiotics. There's so much interesting stuff out there. Here's the kicker. And here's my biggest take on it. The, the, the summary, if you will. The most important thing you can do to have happy gut microbiome and to have happy, healthy bacteria and a nice profile in your gut is to feed them well. So that comes down to prebiotics. Prebiotics are fuel for the probiotics, for the bacterium in your gut, not the probiotics. The prebiotics are the fuel for the bacteria in your gut. And so the best prebiotics are from fiber and you only get fiber from? plants it always comes back to the plants so eat lots of fiber eat your vegetables fruits whole grains legumes mushrooms nuts seeds herbs and spices in infinite tasty combinations if you want to try playing with some probiotics give it a good shot and
1: hopefully it'll work you know that's exactly what i thought you were gonna say (laughs) i love it that's great that's great that's so interesting okay next question thank you for that fit nourished gabrielle thank you for that that was really good okay Next one, also from Instagram, is from CavMom 918 I thought this was really interesting too. CavMom 918 wants to know if it's healthy and if it's safe to water fast one or two days a week. Now, in one of the Q&As, we discussed intermittent fasting. So I was curious, is this the same thing? I don't think I've ever heard of a water fast before. So you tell us. Wow, you haven't? That's so
0: interesting. So yeah, water-only fasts are, let me just say, disclaimer, please consult your healthcare provider. Please, please, please. This is not meant for advice, obviously. But generally speaking, water fasting, basically meaning you're going at least, I usually count it as more like two or three days minimum, not really like you go half a day without eating and that's not considered a fast per se. But there have been so many research studies and books written on how efficacious water fasting can be for all sorts of different conditions. And, you know, usually if you're doing this for a purpose, if you've got any health condition, it should absolutely be medically supervised because things could go wrong. The most dangerous part of water fasting is the refeeding. So a day is fine. I mean, I only eat once a day, so you could technically say I'm fasting for 23 hours of the day, 23 and a half hours a day, um, but... If you're going longer than that or you're going for a prolonged period of time and you're just having water, make sure you're healthy and safe already and you checked with your healthcare provider. But it is really good to give your gut and your body a break from digestion and absorption. It's a really good thing to take time off of the fed state. And I do recommend it. I do recommend time-restricted feeding, eating, you know, one or two times a day, at least giving yourself a nice long window from your last bite to your first bite, you know, and you could always include sleep in that because that makes it easier. <laughs> but water fasting is absolutely a wonderful tool that a lot of people use. I'm going to use my other favorite word. It's a great tool in the armamentarium for health promoting things you can do for yourself tools. So I do recommend it for people that are healthy and safe. And I think it's a wonderful thing to give yourself a break from eating.
1: You know, on that note, and Adam, you might want to cut this out. I'm not sure. But I think it would be really interesting for one of these Q&As to talk a little bit about poop. Because poop, doesn't poop sort of tell us about our overall health? And I just feel like we're talking a lot about gut health. And I feel like poop is a part of that. And I'm really not saying this to be funny. I'm saying it to be serious.
0: Well, dietitians talk about poop over lunch.
1: Like, that's just what we talk about. Oh, that's interesting. Stuff. So maybe yeah. maybe we should do like a lunchtime episode all about poop. <laughs> that right. sounds delicious. Okay. Next question. Thank you. Thank you, uh, CavMom918. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Next question is from Peter, also on Instagram. Uh, what's the very first real-life step I can take to cut sugar from my diet? Now, this is something, Juliana, you and I have discussed offline before. Can you explain first... The, the difference between like good sugar and bad sugar, and then maybe answer the question?
0: Well, yes. Okay. So I've always talked about. Or, or not. It's your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course I will. I just, I'm, where do I begin? Where to begin? There's so much to say about this subject, and I want to keep it somewhat concise. But, you know, a lot of people come to me. I do, you know, a lot of nutrition consults where the people come to me and say, I'm addicted to sugar and I can't get off the sugar and sugar, sugar, sugar. So what do I do? What do I do for them? Or how do I guide them? And so let's start with that. So basically we want to minimize our added sugar intake. So added sugar means when you're adding it in. So anything you're adding in, this includes honey and uh, maple syrup and date paste, all of those things, that's that's a sugar, a sweetener. Because we have natural sugars in things like fruit, but that's not the same. And i it drives me crazy when people say, limit your fruit because of all the sugar. No, because in fruit... You've got this intact, gorgeous thing that's got this array of phytonutrients and fiber, and the body knows exactly how to metabolize it. But when you're adding in the sugars, which we add in twice as much what we're supposed to do, we're really only supposed to get less than 5 to 10% of our total calories from sugar. And you know I never recommend anyone calculate anything. However, if you think about it, just to give it proportion. So a lot of people are consuming, the average American consumes, I think it's 20% of calories from sugar. So it's like more than double, some up to quadruple the amount that is recommended because we know that there's all sorts of adverse health effects of consuming too much sugar. There's, It's associated with pretty much every chronic disease. It's associated with decreasing immune function. There's so many reasons to uh, to minimize your sugars. And of course, I'm going to recommend you get them from the wholest food sources. And so with that said, the question of how what the first step is, well, where are you? Because I always want to meet someone where they're at. If you're consuming, you know, sugar all day long, you would want to start by switching that out. And, you know, the easiest way to do this, I think it's the hardest and the easiest way for most people is to go cold tofu and you just stop. And that could be challenging because you're going to have cravings. You're going to have these kind of like thoughts about it and it's going to be a little difficult and you may and I've seen a lot of people go through this so, so-called kind of a detox where there's like your body is actually really legitimately craving the sugar especially if you're consuming it that that considerably and it's that much of a percentage of your diet. So the best thing to do is to go cold tofu or you could do what I did cuz I didn't do this on purpose. I used to be the biggest sugar junkie. Like I was the cookie monster. Like I can't even tell you how much sugar I used to love ice cream and cookies and candy. So I didn't even try to do this, but when I went plant based, I was eating all the you know the plant based versions of it. I would make cakes with date paste and and all that stuff, and then I started using date paste in other recipes, and I started having my smoothies with date paste, and I would would get less and less of the other super sweet stuff out. I cut out the artificial sweeteners, which I think is the best first step for everyone because artificial sweeteners, the non-nutritive sweeteners, the low calorie or no calorie ones, even like the stevia, the one and the monk fruit that have like these like quote unquote health halos over them, they're hundreds or thousands of times sweeter than sucrose, table sugar. So it just like, it, me- it messes with your expectations of what to what sweetness really is on your palate. So the first thing to do is cut out those and then what I did was I naturally started kind of going, oh, this date piece is getting a little sweet for me. So I would have less and less and less. And then I was like, I'm just going to have a date. And then I was like, I'm just going to have fruit. And I kid you not. And I've seen this with clients. Fruit has become too sweet for me. So I have to kind of regulate how much fruit I could tolerate. So it's kind of like I stepwise into it, non intentionally. I was just, I don't know, eating more, I don't know, health, healthier food. So the first thing I would say is just try to eat more fruit try to limit or, or go all the way and just, just get rid of it and suck it up and have a really kind of rough week, (laughs) but plan for it. And, you know, love yourself in a million other ways, you know, indulge in whatever else you can indulge in to kind of like distract yourself, you know, watch, you know, binge watch TV movies or, you know, read whatever, talk to people that are close to you, go for walks, whatever you could do that's loving to yourself to kind of step away from it. That's, that's, the way to just rip off the band aid, or stepwise in and just incorporate more of the whole fruits and um, try to swap out those refined sugar products, but try to limit it to no more than five to ten percent of your total calories. It takes practice, but with a desire and a passion and a and a why, you can do it too.
1: I love it. I will say that I am actively trying to decrease the amount of sugar that I am taking in. And Tuesday, I had a headache all day. I did not feel well and I literally thought to myself you are your body is detoxing from the amount of sugar and I sort of embraced the discomfort and I got through it and I did exa- I actually watched binge watched shows that I won't even mention because I'm embarrassed but interesting that's interesting okay very good thank you peter thank you for that question
0: I'm proud of you okay. stanford
1: Next, next, oh, by the way, by the way, Adam, um, I think we should add something to the merch store—a T-shirt that says "Go Cold Tofu." So write that down. I had listened to that and thought that's one for the merch store. Yes, agree. Okay. Anyway, I love these little thoughts. Hold on, I got okay. one more. You There's... gotta do. It was something about the pro and prebiotic that made me think about like a gym in your stomach, whereby they were pumping themselves up to make your body better. Aw, that's cute. Oh, add it to the list. <laughs> add it to the t-shirt list. <laughs> Active microbes. Who doesn't want that on their shirt? Our, our listeners, I'm sure, will pay a handful <laughs> for that t-shirt. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I, I could have said a poop shirt, you know, but that could have been one thing. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's a good point. All right. They already have those. Yeah, they do. They the do. emoji. Yeah. All right, here we go. Moving on. This one is from Facebook, from James Stice. James wants to know, for those who refuse to give up oil, what is the least damaging? Interesting. I love olive oil, and you're the one who taught me that olive oil isn't that great. So what would you say to James?
0: Thank you, James. Well, okay. If you're not willing to give up oil, so this is, people ask me this about animal products, which is the least bad. I'm like, well, you could ask any other dietitian, and they'll give you their answer. But, um, with oil, it's, it is kind of an interesting question. And I really dove deep in this, in the vegetarian diet, because I couldn't figure out why the Mediterranean diet was considered so extraordinarily healthy. When you look at the evidence on a whole food plant-based diet being just knocking it out of the park and oil isn't Bad. It's a processed food. It's like what we were just talking about with refined sugars. This is refined whatever, coconut or refined olive or refined canola seed. Whatever it is that you're taking the oil from and extracting it, it becomes pure fat. One cup of oil is about 2,000 calories and about 200 plus grams of fat. So do we need that extra calorie and fat? Most people don't. Most people that come to me are trying to lose weight or help modify their lipids, you know, their blood cholesterol and getting those healthier. So we don't need to get in extra fat. So I always talk about limiting or avoiding oil because- you can save hundreds or thousands of calories. It's really easy to gluck on a half a cup of oil on your salad and then a saute. And when you cook without it, you don't miss it. You know, I, I cook. I just finished my seventh book and it's coming out in December, the Choose You Now Diet. And um, I did no, – there is zero oil in that book. In fact, there's zero oil in any book except for a little bit in the last one and that was – they're all optional. So you just don't need it. I make dressings and sauces and pies and – uh, you make everything, casseroles, stir fries, you name it. It's oil free and delicious and you don't really miss it because you're really just l- looking to have spice and texture and flavors. And okay. Okay. So there's my, I'll get off of my, <laughs> off of my soapbox about oil. James, I would say if you really want to use oil for some reason, uh, you know, olive oil is, I don't know, it's got more monounsaturated fats better than Definitely, olive, uh, coconut oil. Coconut oil to me is really bad. I love it on my hair. I love it on my skin. In fact, I use it all the time on my skin, like a moisturizer. I don't recommend consuming it. The all the coconut oil is so high in saturated fat that it's no better than butter than the dairy version of it. So that's what I would suggest. So I would go if you're going to use oil, maybe use a little bit of olive oil. And, um, if you're going to use it on fresh and cold, you know, like on a salad, go for like a hemp seed oil. But remember the, pro- the other problems with oils, forget all the fat and calories in them. They go rancid and you can't necessarily smell it when it's rancid. And if it's rancid, it is causes, it's pro-oxidative in the body and it causes all these free radicals to form. So it's like kicks off these cascades that can lead to, to chronic disease processes. So. There's so many reasons to avoid oil that um, I would suggest just try to do it as much as possible.
1: And it's interesting you you mentioned coconut oil. Here's your through line because our next question is from uh, Sharon Vitulo, also on Facebook. And Sharon wants to know if we should avoid coconut milk or is coconut water okay?
0: Great question. Thank you, Sharon. Okay. So big difference between coconut milk and coconut water and coconut oil. So basically you take a coconut (laughs) and then you can either mix up the meat with the water and get a milk. And if you have a cup of raw coconut milk that you would get, like, you know, what I used to have in Thailand, um, it's about 552 calories, 57 grams of fat, almost 51 grams of saturated fat in a cup. Okay. That's a lot. That's way exceeds your daily weekly limit. A cup of canned is very similar, 445 calories, 48 grams of fat, and almost 43 grams of saturated fat. So it's predominantly saturated fat. Okay. Now you take all that out and you look at just the coconut water itself, which by the way is my favorite thing to eat or drink when I am in Thailand as well. And this is what I recommend for my athletes. I work with a lot of athletes, especially the endurance athletes That instead of using those 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 um, electrolyte formulas that you buy at the store that are filled with like bright fluorescent colored you know artificial colors and sweeteners and all that stuff, coconut water is a great form of a great source of electrolytes. So it's a great thing to use in endurance activity. But if you look at the calorie content compared to the the milk. It's 45 calories. It's a half a gram of fat and less than, it's like 0. 0.4 grams of saturated fat. So definitely coconut water, way better than coconut milk. And I mean, I'm not saying anything is horrible. I always try to refuse to make a food evil or, you know, angelic. And so I just wouldn't recommend the milk very often, but it's delicious in a curry once in a while. I'm not going to lie. I went to culinary school in Thailand and we use coconut milk once in a while and it's delicious. So. Limit it and use it as, you know, your day of deliciousness, your, your conscientious choice to eat something that's not the healthiest, but it's going to make you happy in other ways.
1: Coconut water, good also like uh, during and after a workout? Yeah. Oh, I love it's that. I fabulous. Know that. Fabulous. It's so refreshing. Oh, guess what I'm going to drink tomorrow after my spin class. There we go. Coconut water. Nice. Um, here's our last question. This is from Facebook. I don't know why, but I love this question. I love it. I I just love it. Uh, It's from Babs, Babs Davis, and, and this is what she wants to know. I've heard so many different things about avocados and heart health. I've also heard about avocados and weight. Can you clarify what is true? Is it bad to eat avocados if you have mild heart disease, but your diet is otherwise healthy? Is it bad to eat avocados occasionally if you're trying to lose weight slowly? I don't know, but I think avocados is one of those foods where, like, some people think they're really healthy and some people think they're not. And I love Babs for seriously bringing this up and having you answer this question. So go, go to it.
0: Yes. Thank you, Babs. And who doesn't love a good avocado? <clears throat> Here, the California girl, I love an avocado. And you might be pleasantly surprised with my answer. Avocados are a great source of things like pantothenic acid, really high in fiber, surprisingly high in fiber, vitamin K, copper, folate, vitamin B6, potassium, vitamins E and C, They are considered a fruit because they have the big old seed in there. Um, and it does have a higher fat content. It's about like 71 to 88% of their total calories. So it's a high fat, but it's also high fiber food. It's also really a great source of something called phytosterols, which are plant sterols. These are found in seeds and nuts and some vegetables and fruits, but these are really important for reducing cholesterol. They're basically the plant, the plant version, plant analogs of cholesterol but they're effective at reducing cholesterol levels without causing any negative side effects. So basically it does have a beneficial effect for your arteries. So it's a good thing to include if you have any kind of coronary disease um but also it can be good for weight loss. So I found this really kind of interesting study I thought I would share. Of course, it is funded by the avocado group. <laughs> so, you know, but it is a 12-week randomized parallel controlled trial. But when you see associations like that, you just you take it as part of the data and you take it into consideration that it was funded by the people and you use that when you're deciding whether to not to use this information, but it does, I thought the study was worthy of discussing because I thought it was really cool. They took a control group that they were on a, high, a low calorie diet and one, and the control group did not have any avocados. And there was an avocado group that had the same low calorie diet, but without the avocado. And they found that the weight loss in the avocado group was associated with the shift in the intestinal microbiota, which is what we were just talking about, the microbiome, to one that's really healthy. Um, And it resulted in a decrease in cholesterol. So basically, it's a healthy food. Now, I always recommend, we talked about, it's actually, this is a perfect combination of questions, Producer Sanford. Good job. I don't even think you thought of this because they all interrelate, right? We're talking about the microbiome. We're talking about oils. And when I talk about oils, limiting oils, I want you to get fats. I don't want anyone to be fat phobic because we need some essential fats in our diet. But I recommend you getting those fats from whole food sources, namely nuts and seeds and avocado here and there. So I don't think everyone should eat an avocado a day. I'm not going to say that. But I would say it definitely fits in to a whole food plant-based diet in a wonderful, delicious, nutritious way.
1: And Juliana, just one other question about the avocado because when people think of avocados, they think think of guacamole. Does your response – is your response the same if we're talking about guacamole and an avocado or does guacamole change things?
0: Well, it depends on what you put in your guacamole. If you like what I make a guacamole, I just mash up the avocado and I add spices and lemon and garlic and onion, chopped onion and cilantro. I like cilantro. Um, but if you're adding sour cream or, <laughs> or oil or something else, then, you know, then obviously you're changing the composition. But if that's your baseline avocado and it's just mashed version of it, then it definitely counts guacamole counts as avocado.
1: So as long as you keep it clean, if as long as you keep your guacamole clean, you're good to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And, and, to, and to be clear, I I, I selected these questions because they, I knew they were all going to be related. Totally, totally lying to you good people listening to the podcast right now. I'm totally lying. But I love these Q&As. <laughs> I love them so much. And thank you, everybody, so much for um, uh, submitting your questions, really. And you always give us such great ideas for Adam and our merch store. So we thank you for that as well. Hey, well, you know, I was just thinking about it. Avocado and a shower towel. Keep your guacamole clean. (laughs) 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 Write it down, Adam. That's such a cute image. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. Anyway, thanks everybody. And Juliana, thank you too.
0: Thank you so much, Producer Sanford and Producer Adam. And thank you everyone so much for all of your wonderful questions. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with any questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.